You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and we answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, retirement accounts, financial planning, you name it, we'll tackle it here on the air. Anything at all about the business of trucking. We're, uh, we're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Before we do, I, I've been kind of going back over the year, the year in review, and also we're doing a lot of planning for 2015. So it, it, when I get time, I'm, I'm going back over emails and articles that I've written and comments that I've received and just kind of looking at 2014 and what, what it was all about. And I really identified some pretty strong patterns, you know, and they're not absolutes, but patterns can tell us a lot. They really can. And, you know, these patterns aren't any surprise. If you listen to the show, you'll know this is kind of what we've been dealing with all year. I broke the calls down into a couple groups. And, you know, the the first one, and and certainly, you know, these two areas are controversial. The the two areas I get a lot of calls in that are controversial, new newer trucks, emission trucks, and let's define that. Basically, any truck after 04, some 03s, when, when the emissions really started changing the trucks. Now, I know a lot of people think that we don't have emissions on trucks till 07. That's absolutely not true. In fact, we have some emission changes prior to 04. They're just not that drastic. It was just some code in the ECM itself and not that big of a deal. So really, when we talk about emission trucks, we're talking about 03, 04, EGR on most engines, ACERT on CATS. So if the engine has EGR or ACERT technology, then it is an emission engine. Clearly, one of the patterns of calls this year, and it has been for several years, it just got a lot worse this year. Uh, Problems with those trucks, engine-related maintenance problems with those trucks. One of my most common calls, one of my most frustrating, because I don't really have a good answer other than eliminate all the junk off the truck, which there's too much of a risk to do that anymore, in my opinion. Uh, get rid of the truck and go get a truck without those emissions. That, that's about my only answer. Or put up with it. I don't know what else to do. The other call we had a lot of in 2014, and we've talked a lot about, uh, lease purchase. And we've certainly been talking about lease purchase since I've been on the air. But the difference is, I think this year, I I finally said, you know what? It's just not worth. I I used to tell people, well, give it a shot. If you want something you can walk away from, if you want to get your feet wet, 
or if there's just no other way for you to get a truck. I used to say that. I don't say that anymore. In 2014, I changed that. 2014, I just decided I'm not going to tell people that anymore because that's really not how I feel. I, you just, there are very, very few cases where signing one of these lease purchase deals makes any sense at all. And I, I was saying that a lot in 2014 and giving people other options. So those were two big groups of calls, and those were two big topics that we covered a lot in 2014. The other thing that I love, probably number three when it came to calls, and I love this. The first two, you know, just just things to stay away from, in my opinion. But the third call, this was the call where somebody took their time, put in the effort, did the hard work, saved up cash, bought a truck usually less than $20,000, many times less than $10,000, put it on the road, many times with a company like Landstar, or they even went out and got their own authority, something that that's another topic we talked a lot about this year, and just absolutely killed it as a brand new owner operator with a what most people would consider just a junk $10,000 truck. Yet I had so many calls this year, people who did it and they are absolutely successful. And you know what? Most of the time when those people called in, they had their profit gauges stuff caught up and we were looking at numbers that I haven't seen the whole time I've been in this industry. We're looking at so many more people who are making more than $2 a mile gross. We've looked at a lot of people this year making more net than a dollar a mile, which is just amazing. Lots and lots of great success stories with people getting into the business, doing it right, and and having the numbers to back it up and prove it. So I'd love those calls, no question. And then the fourth, they, I, I looked at four big uh, kind of topics or groups of calls. And the fourth was getting your own authority. And again, 2014, that was a change. You know, from 2007 to 2013, when I was on the air, most of the time I, I spent more time talking people out of getting their own authority. And the reason I did that is because the environment wasn't all that great to do it. it wasn't horrible. You could do it and succeed. The problem is most people didn't get prepared. Most people, they just weren't doing the hard work to get ready to go out on their own. And that's where the problem came in. But in 2014, we put a lot of focus on helping people get ready, going out and getting their authority and doing it right. And we've seen a lot of success stories with that as well. So that was uh, kind of 2014 looking at it in the rear view mirror. And uh, pretty soon, We'll talk about what I think the big stories of 2015 might be. But for right now, let's get to a phone call. We're going to head off to Texas. Sean, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing? Doing great. What's on your mind today? Well, I uh, had a uh, full proprietor question, or uh, or escort, I'm sorry. Okay. I am looking to start one at the end of this month, and I am on pace to net Roughly about a dollar forty-eight a mile for next year, um, because I'm expecting a new increase on my contract that that I have at a hall with. Okay. So that works out to be roughly about one hundred forty-five thousand dollars net money-wise, because I'm only averaging about ninety-eight thousand miles a year. 
Okay. Um, I need about $78,000 for living expenses. That's actually going to go up because I haven't looked at my new insurance yet. But I'm, gonna, I'm forced out of my insurance. I'm going to have to get new insurance. I'm just assuming I'm going to pay a lot more. Okay. So I'm, I'm roughly about $82,000. So I'm going to have roughly about uh, $60,000. I need to figure out what should I pay myself, how much, because my, uh, I wanted to put my wife on salary. Um, and I was just kind of to get an idea of how I should work the numbers to minimize tax burden. Okay. So the easy salary to set is yours because we can take an industry average of, say, even 50 cents a mile. And okay. we could just pay you 50 cents a mile. Uh, we could make it a mileage pay, which means it would change a little bit each week. You could make it a salary if you want. You know, call it fifty-two thousand if you want. Pay yourself a thousand dollars a week. Um, your wife, uh, I, I, how much work will she actually be doing for the corporation? If you had to put it into hours, how many hours a week will she spend working in the business? Okay. And really, in a corporation, we want to make sure that we don't underpay somebody, but we don't really have to worry too much about overpaying. I mean, if we want to pay somebody $100 an hour, we can. It's our business. We just have to be careful we don't underpay, especially an owner, because then that brings up issues of are you trying to avoid Social Security. So if we pay you $50,000, we are safe. Uh, at five hours a week, you could pay her 10000 a year. Uh, whatever you come up with. And then what's left over, the, the way I would do that, I, I would, here's another way of looking at this. You could, 50000 doesn't cover your living expenses. So the other thing you could do is you could pay your wife what it would cost to cover the living expenses. So after yours. So you would get paid, she would get paid, you two cover the bills, Everything else kind of hangs out in the company until you need it for something. So at the end of the year, you and no matter what, whether you take the money out of the corporation or out of your bank account at the end of the year, it doesn't matter. You pay tax on it at the end of the year, no matter what. So it's not like you can actually leave it in there and not pay tax on it, but you don't have to move it out of that bank account. So financially what i would do is just what i described cover all the bills i would you've obviously got much more profit than what you need to live on 50 or 60 thousand dollars more um i i would fund your retirement accounts and then i would start looking at do you want to expand the business or or what other financial goals do you have okay hold that hold that thought then let me get to a break and we'll talk about that right around the corner. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. I'm going to head back to Texas. Sean, you still with me? Yes, sir. Okay. A couple ways to look at this. Um, when you've got a business, you know, one of the things we want to do financially is we want to prepare for retirement. We, we want to make sure that at some point in our life, we can either quit working because we choose to, or sometimes we're just going to be forced to health reasons, other things like that. We want to make sure if that happens, we've got money. That's what retirement planning is all about. When you And, and the, the traditional ways are to save money in you know, mutual funds or stocks or real estate or things like that. When you've got a business, there's another choice you can make, and that is to you can either do the traditional type of saving money in retirement accounts and things like that, or a lot of entrepreneurs, the plan is the, the business is the retirement. And, you know, the plan is to sell it at or, 90 seconds. or to live off of the um, – the proceeds from a business or sell it and live off, you know, the sale, the income, one of those two. Um, so that's a possibility. It, and, and I've done a little of both. I mean, there was a time when I had a business and I really didn't want to grow it. So I was contributing to retirement accounts. But there have been several years that we've been growing this business 60 seconds. that I have cut out all of my retirement contributions so that I can invest in the business instead. So those are That's two. Yeah. So those are two possibilities and it, it doesn't have to be set in stone. You can do a little bit of both. You can do one at one time and, and, you know, another at another time, for example, like I said, there was a time when I really didn't know how I wanted to grow, to grow the business. So I was putting money into retirement accounts. Uh, but, you know, then then there was a time where all the money went back to the business. And that was my plan that someday I'll sell this. Um, but now I'm back to a mix. You know, we're reinvesting back into the business, but we're also investing into ten seconds more traditional type retirement savings. Um, let's go ahead and get to another phone call. Let's go to South Carolina. Jim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I had a question about ECM tuners. Uh, I've been thinking about getting either a Bully Dog or a Pittsburgh Power Box. I have kind of an older truck. I mean, it's a 07 Detroit uh, Series 60 with about 750,000 miles. My concern is that by putting all that extra power to that engine, I'm concerned about premature wear or, you know, something more catastrophic just, you know, happening. Is that is that realistic? Is it something that I should no, worry about? It, it's really not. And, and this is a pretty common concern, though. People think just because you turn up an engine – you're putting more stress on it. That's not necessarily the case. Now, I can tell you, if you put a power box on there, turn it up to seven, and run around with your foot in the throttle all the time, not only are you going to kill fuel economy, but your maintenance costs are going to go through the roof, and you will limit the life of that engine. Now, on the other hand, if you leave that power box most of the time on level one, two, or three, and you drive it like you're really trying to get fuel economy, you will actually extend the life of the engine with this because a lot of the stuff they've done in the ECM has nothing to do with the engine running properly. 
It has everything to do with trying to minimize the emissions. So a lot of the stuff they've done with the ECM, retarding timing and doing different things with fuel flow, is actually hard on the engine. But they had to do it to meet the emission requirements. Now, with a good, oh, okay. with a good tuner, and this isn't all of them because there's a thousand different ways to tune one of these things, but with a good tuner and a good driver, now that engine is functioning exactly the way it was designed. And with a good driver, we would actually extend the life of the engine. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm, I drive 60 miles an hour. I never put the you know, throttle to the floor. I, I don't think I'm hard on the engine, but uh, I read somewhere that when you put a power box on, it, it's like death to turbos. That's and, not true. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's okay. a myth. And, and again, let's think about how we drive it. You know, if I put that power box on level three, for example, and I drive it for fuel mileage, nice and easy, easy into the throttle, progressive shifting, all those things we teach, that turbo isn't doing anything unusual. I mean, nothing at all. So there's no reason we're not putting any more stress on that turbo. Okay. And real, I know, I know, you know, I listened to your show for two years. I know we're big Pittsburgh power people, but is there, why, why is, is the bully dog a viable option? I mean, yeah, it is. What's your your thought about it? It is. And, And I, there's a, there's certainly a difference in the way they're tuned. Uh, and it depends on what you're looking for. I, in my opinion, and, and this could change. I, I don't follow Bully Dog that close, and you can change your tuning and the way you do things. But it's been my opinion that, that Bully Dog leans more towards performance. And Pittsburgh Power okay. used to be the exact same way. They were a high-performance shop. But, you know, many years ago when Bruce and I got together and we started looking at the industry and what was happening, um, I, I worked with Bruce and said, let's really focus on fuel economy. I mean, you guys know engines inside and out. I don't want to skip performance. We'd like to get better performance, but let's make the focus more fuel mileage first. And that's really what Pittsburgh Power started working on with their products and their tuning. Yeah, we we want the truck to run really well. I mean, we want a high performance engine, but we want a high fuel mileage engine first. So, just slight differences in the way things are tuned, leaning more towards fuel economy rather than just pure performance. Okay, yeah, that's what I want. Listen, thanks again for taking my call. I really appreciate all you do for this industry, and uh, thank you again, buddy. Take care. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. And again, that's, that's just my opinion. You could certainly take a bully dog and get good fuel economy out of it if you drive it right. But I think you can get better fuel economy out of the power box. I I just think it's tuned a little better. Again, not a big deal. And there are other, there are lots of people out there programming ECMs. If you have somebody that does it the way you like it, then by all means, use them. Uh, We're obviously, we work very close with Pittsburgh Power and I like the way they do things. Let's, uh, let's go to Indiana. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Hey, I just got a new glider here. I got rid of my 386, and I had a I had a tune and emissions off of it, but my iron was it jumped from 400 to 700, and all of a sudden one week, it, the whole bottom was full of oil, and I just didn't want to risk it anymore. So I threw it, threw it, threw the money at that. I just got out of that, and then threw it at this one, a 15 Coronado with the 127 Detroit in it, and got 13 with the 342s. I'm just kind of. Messing kind of 
I've never had a Detroit before, so I'm just kind of wondering where's the best spot to run these. Okay, so it, as far as going through the gears, every engine's pretty similar. I mean, we want a progressive shift, meaning we want to use it a, yep. the least amount of each gear we need just to get to the next gear. I mean, that's kind of the easiest way I can you know, describe progressive shifting. We just yeah. want to move through those gears with the least amount of throttle possible. Now, the the That's- Series 60 tends to, to function and get its best fuel economy somewhere in the range of 1350 to 1450 as far as cruise goes. Uh, I've seen okay. some that do better around 1300. Mine absolutely yeah. does better at 1400. And okay. we've we've had a couple like the signature truck for some reason wants to get its best fuel economy down in the twelve fifty twelve seventy five range. We don't know exactly oh. why. Okay. So one, you know, certainly start in that range. But the best way yep. to learn yep. how to drive any engine is the scan gauge. Yeah, I, I forgot to grab that out of the one truck I had at the yard. I was going to throw it in here, but yeah. That, I'll do that next week when I leave with it, and then, I would really wish I would have grabbed it because I'm, I'm not used to this Detroit. Just seems to, I'm so used to that Cummins of mine. That thing was just a powerhouse. And, yeah, there's there's no fun. question that the the Series sixty, especially stock, you know, isn't going to impress anybody as far as power. I mean, it wasn't a, yeah. a big, giant, powerful engine. It's a twelve seven. I mean, it's not even a big block yeah. to begin with. But <laughs> yeah, you got to keep reminding me that myself about that. Yeah, now now on the other hand, start to modify that engine and that thing has tremendous potential for all kinds of power and torque. I mean, just electronics okay. alone without doing anything physical to that engine, we can get close to 700 horsepower. As long as you use it right, you can get the efficiency out That's of it. the thing, right. We don't ever want to use that much, but the potential is there. So when you start putting on the manifolds and the fasts and yeah. Um, the power box especially, but you don't even have to go that far. You'll you'll start to see that that engine okay. really has a lot of potential. I have a fast I took off. I'm going to throw it on this one, but this is just have the single filter on the frame right now. I, I just kind of wonder what microns I use on that fast for this engine. You know, I would check, filter. as far as the, the micron size, I would check with fast directly when you're ordering and, and see what they're finding. I, I tend to like to go largest micron recommended. I don't worry as much about dirt as I worry about fuel restriction. So I'd like to keep that restriction down as much as possible. All right, I've got to get to a break, and I'm going to be gone here for just a minute on this break. So don't panic if it gets quiet. Uh, we will be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. 
We are uh, we're going to head right back to the phone calls. We're going to shoot off to Wisconsin this time. Throne, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing good. What can I help you with? Well, before I ask my question, I just want to share a little story with you. Okay. Uh, I, I decided to take, well, uh, a new owner operator came to me and asked for my advice. They so I took him under my wing. And I happened to uh, meet him at a truck stop one time just by coincidence. He was in his truck. When I went to his truck, he still had it at the pump. I said, have you finished fuel? He goes, yeah. I said, why didn't you put your truck up? I said, I don't care about that stuff. I just care about me. That's <laughs> no, not very professional. And it's not what I do. So I finally got him to listen to you a couple of times. He called me back a week later. He said, you know, that show, I think that I should be more courteous. I think I'm going to pull my truck up from now on. Oh, nice. Um, uh, at the island. Yeah, you know, sometimes just people just, to get in their head to be more professional. You know, and we, we've, this has been a theme. We've complained about it forever in this industry. The drivers who don't seem to care, the problems. The I mean, we could go on and on. But And we've often said, you know, what do you do? What can you do to fix this? And I think, I think we figured out what you do to fix it. The, the only thing I really think that works well is to lead by example. You can't beat these people over the head with a stick. They're not going to listen. But... It, and there are some people that will never change. You just have to get used to that fact. But there are people out there. There's clearly a lot of good drivers in the industry that just need a little guidance. So congratulations on just helping somebody out and pointing them in the right direction. Well, you really helped. And really what really helped you told me was listening to the professional guys who call your show and how they behave and how they talk. I, I, I love that. And, and again, I think that's how we're going to change this industry by example. When, when we get enough of the really professional drivers together and they become the visible part of the industry more and more, I think we'll see more people change like that. That's encouraging. I agree. I agree. So I would call it because I, I think it's time for me to pick an escort or, or an LLP. I, I was. Uh, it is a good will this year. I was surprised at where I am this year. So let's take a look at you and see if you agree. All right. So let's take I'm a look. Close. So uh, do you know what month were you caught up to? What am I looking at here? January through November. January through November. November. Oh, okay. You're really caught up then. All right. So uh, I see you've got a truck lease on here, correct? So we are taking lease payments. We're not depreciating, right? Okay, so right now, after eleven months, we're at uh, sixty-one five on profit. So, if we project that out, sixty-one five divided by eleven months means you're doing. Oh, let me try that again. Uh, sixty-one divided by that's about sixty-one five divided by eleven months means you're doing about 5600 a month just under 5600 a month so if we were to multiply that by 12 it looks like you'll end up at about 67000 uh profit which puts us right where you should be incorporated but we've got one giant deduction we get to take off of that that's not on this report which is per diem so roughly yeah. how many nights a uh, uh, month have you been out on average 
I, I'm probably home every night. Oh, so you are home every night. I oh, probably okay. have 12, 15 days of Oh, okay. Oh, so you don't have a big per diem deduction then. So no, that makes it easy. Yeah, you're right there. You're at that. You're going to be at 60-some thousand even with the per diem deduction. And that puts you in the place where the S-Corp can start to save you some money. So uh, we could pay you, say, 40 cents a mile uh, wage, which is reasonable for what you're doing, being home every night. And that would put us at, uh, you know, 45000 or so payroll for the year. And that would mean about 20 of it won't be taxed for Social Security. So we know that of that 20000 we could save yeah, almost four in taxes. You'll spend a 1000 or so to get it done as far as paying somebody to do the corporate tax return and that kind of stuff. So you're at the, the bottom end of the savings, but the savings are still going to be roughly probably $2,500 altogether by having the S-Corp. I'm expecting, one reason I'm expecting to make more next year because this, this last, my, 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 my pay for a mile has been going up every quarter. So this quarter was almost $2 a mile, but it started off in January at $1.47. Oh, so, okay. I'm probably going to be a, a lot further next year. Yeah, and, and this, this is, is this is again, what I love about people who are up on the numbers because we, we get to make decisions when they make sense. I mean, if you weren't doing this, we would have no idea if you were close or not. Should we do it? We don't know. You're, you're right there. We're forming the corporation at the very best time right when we need it. And you're right. The The odds are these numbers are going to just continue to get better and your tax savings will be even bigger. So I love it. Congratulations on being on top of your numbers. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. And yes, it's time. Go ahead and get it started in January. Let's go to Utah. Michael, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I talked to you uh, before about uh, adding a second truck, and yeah. I have two questions. Uh, first question is, uh, I found a very good deal on a Freightliner Columbia 2007. Uh, it has low mileage, and it's really cheap, uh, but I'm well, not very familiar with the 14-liter. Well, why, why are we looking at 07s? Or is there, do you have to get a certain year of truck? Are you going to run California? Because an 07 wouldn't do it, so obviously not California. Does the company require you to have a certain age of truck? Uh, no, no. Then I, I, I can't imagine a worse year of truck to buy than four, five, six, seven, right in that range. First couple years of EGR, lots of problems. Those trucks are probably still high mileage. Uh, you know, an 07 is already uh, starting to get. If, Go ahead. This one only has 330,000 miles. Okay. Well, that's very low mileage. But again, I mean, if it had zero miles and the, the, it was just the best deal ever, I still wouldn't buy it. I mean, I just do not want to own one of these trucks under any circumstances. And that that has to be my advice. I mean, I, I can't give advice to somebody that I wouldn't take myself. Okay. And uh, the tax question I have uh, this year, I'm going to uh, profit uh, over 80,000 miles. 
and next year when I'm planning to buy the truck, uh, I'm going to hire a driver. What kind of corporation should I open? Because right now I'm under uh, 1099. Okay. So you want an LLC. You're going to form a limited liability company. That's an LLC. And you form that in your state. And then you elect with the IRS to be taxed as an S-corp. And, and that's really what we've been recommending to owner operators and small carriers that are, you know, up in that higher income range where they're really getting killed in taxes. The LLC is easier to form and run than an S-corp, but the IRS still allows us to tax it as an S-corp. And that combination works out really well. Let's, uh, let's go to North. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at the clock and uh, we're heading into a break. So I'm going to take us into a break. When we come back, we will get to more of your calls and questions. So stick around for that. I want to tell you about our new recording schedule. I'd love it if you'd write this down, put a reminder in your phone uh, and join us every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And it's real simple to join us during the recordings. All you have to do is dial a phone number. There's no access code. There's no, it's just that simple. You dial the number. You can sit and listen while we record or at any time. You just press one on your phone and that puts you in the queue to get your call screened as well. Real simple. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday afternoons, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And the number it's the same every show, every day, every week, 347-884-8327. That's how you, you just, every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern time, dial the number, sit and listen to the show, jump in with a question, a comment, a topic, whatever you've got. All right. The music's playing. I'm going to get to a break. The website is letstruck.com. Check it out. We've always got something new going on over there. If you need any help from us, the Let's Truck team is here and ready to help. All you have to do is give them a call, 855-800-FUEL, 855-800-3835. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. We're down to the final segment, so I'm going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's uh, let's head off to North Carolina. Vallo, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Doing good. What can I help you with? Uh, I just got a quick question. Um, I have a my drive tires, they're wearing, they're kind of copping on the uh, inside of the dual. 
Drive tires cupping on the inside, almost always wheel bearing or axle flex. Now, if you had wide singles, we would consider both. With duals, we don't really see a lot of axle flex being a problem. So I would, this is primarily just wheel bearings that are loose. Okay. That's it. That's all I have. Thank yeah, you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, just uh, the, the thing is finding a shop that actually knows how to adjust wheel bearings properly. It's amazing that that's hard to do. But, you know, I talked to Mike Beckett, and he says he can still walk through just about any truck stop parking lot or fleet and find 70 to 80% of wheel bearings adjusted improperly. Let's uh, let's head off north of the border this time. Sean in Canada, thanks for calling. It's your turn. Okay, good afternoon, Kevin. I would like to talk about high-risk stocks. This is nothing going to be but really a gamble, but you have to watch it. The oil stocks normally trade, well, the one I look at was 15 to $20, now below 5 The oil stocks are getting hammered. These are good companies, but they're getting attacked. There could be some real bargains here if they can survive. That's the problem. I don't know if they survive. I don't know if takeovers happen. But these companies, probably in a year, some of them will be worth a lot more money than they are right now. But well, you have to have a stock for it. Yeah, the thing you've got, this is definitely high risk and much more volatile than just a high risk stock. And here's why. And I talked about this yesterday on the show. Here's what I think is happening, uh, and it's just not me. I'm reading this from a lot of other analysts as well. Uh, OPEC, which controls the production of oil in, in the Middle East, uh, is really just dropping prices, and they're doing it in order to get market share back from the U.S. The U.S., with all the fracking and all the shale oil, is really producing a lot of oil. But the thing with the U.S. oil is it's very expensive to produce. So when prices on fuel are high, when we're up in that $3.50, $4 a gallon range, then it makes sense for the U.S. to do all that drilling because they, they can make a profit on the oil, even though it's expensive to get out of the ground. In the Middle East, it's not expensive to get their oil out of the ground. It's easy. They drill a hole and oil shoots up. It's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. So what they're doing is lowering prices by ramping up production. So they're using supply and demand. We talk about that all the time. If they put enough oil into the market, that drops prices down. And eventually, I think their plan is to try to starve out some of these American oil companies. And and so that is a a big, big risk. Yes, there is, but. Saudi Arabia's costs probably about $10 a barrel because they stick a pipe in. Iran's cost is probably around $90 a barrel. So they're hurting their own OPEC cartel by doing this more than they are hurting some of the fracking. Some of the fracking is $42 a barrel. Maybe. I mean, and and nobody knows for sure if this is what's going on, but there, there's some pretty good indications. OPEC has done this before, and I think that's what they're doing. I, I think, you know, the price got high enough. If the price of oil is high enough, there's lots of oil all over the world. I mean, we haven't even begun to get this shale oil out of the Rockies yet. There's Russia has more oil than anybody even knows it, but again, theirs is expensive to get out of the ground. At some point, 
when prices go high enough, that oil will will be produced. We will get that oil out of the ground at that price. But right now, there's still enough cheap oil around the world that groups like OPEC can manipulate the price like this. So not only are you talking about the traditional volatility that we see in any stock, any stock could go up and down based on all kinds of factors. When you're talking about oil stocks, you've got all that traditional volatility and risk, but now you've got the risk of there's this large conglomerate that can control that price. That's a big risk. Yes. Political volatility. Yeah. Now, Russia's getting hurt worse than the U.S. on this one. Right. They're not part of OPEC, and they're getting flipping mad about it. Yeah, well, I there there is definitely a lot going on right now with oil prices, which means that there is opportunity. There are going to be some killer deals come out of this. There are going to be some oil companies that get hurt but survive, and the price will turn around, prices will go back up again, and there will be money to made it, be made in those oil stocks. I'm just, uh, I don't know. I, I may or may not be investing in some. I have a very clear investment strategy, and it's all based on, um, solid financials and some technical uh, direction as well. So I may be investing in an oil company if it fits the criteria. I'm not going to go out and look for an oil company, but one of them might end up fitting the criteria of my trading. Who knows? I might end up with one. Let's go to uh, Missouri. Scott, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? Doing good. What can I help you with today? Well, Marilyn and I did a lot of talking over the weekend, and I sat down and ran everything and talked to the folks there that I was talking about leasing on with. And we've decided as much as we don't want to do it, I'm going to shut my authority down for a while, and we're going to lease on with these folks because we won't have to worry about factoring, so that's money we're going to get back. And they're only charging us, it's only going to come out to about 11% is what it's going to cost me to broker from them. Plus, they're going to provide my bookkeeping. Uh, license plates will be half as much as we're paying now. My insurance will be a third of what I'm paying now. That that seems to make sense. You know, this this is never an easy decision, but I think for you right now, um, having your own authority was was difficult because you didn't have a lot of help. Um, you've got some issues going on that that all that extra work, I think, is what was killing you. So here's a case where you can say, OK, rather than me doing all that work, let me just pay somebody to do it. And that's your 11 uh, percent. The other advantages, like you mentioned, plates are cheaper. Insurance is cheaper. Your costs go down. You're not factoring anymore. Uh, ultimately. I think you could end up putting more money in your pocket under a situation like this. I, I think this is a good move for you. Okay. Now, my other question is, the insurance company already knows this is happening. Do I have to notify M FMCSA? Uh, you know, we won't be using our authority. I don't know if there's a requirement to uh, notify them or not. I know you can, well, I don't know. That, that is a, uh, a question that I really haven't studied. Um, 
Do you listen to any of the podcasts like uh, Kenny Long's Trucking with Authority? Um, I'm going to start listening to Kenny. So I listen to the first couple, but it seems like a lot of times when he's on, I'm not where I can get a phone signal. Yeah, if you can, you know what? And even if you can't get on, um, just get a hold of Kenny. He's pretty easy to get a hold of. He's on Facebook. He's all over the place. If you can get on the show, he'd certainly help you. Uh, that's kind of his area of expertise is, is the compliance issues around authority. Uh, and, and I'm sure he'd be able to help you with that question. I, I just I've never really thought about it. I mean, I, I don't know what what requirements are uh, when you decide to just stop using it. But uh, certainly Kenny could help you out with that. Uh, I'm looking at the clock and it looks like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to have to get out of here. Uh, it's that time. So check out the website. It's letstruck.com. Always something new going on over there. We've, we've got some big changes coming up here in the next couple of weeks. I'll keep you informed of that. Uh, also, you can check us out on Facebook. We use Facebook a lot for notifying you of special events, recording times, things like that. Plus, we use Facebook a lot to discuss the the issues and the topics of the day. Many times, if we get a good topic going or a good caller, we'll go ahead and post that up on Facebook, and, and we can continue the discussion. I know there's a lot of people who would like to get in. They might have an opinion, or they might have something to add to the conversation, but it's pretty difficult to get through on the phones most of the time. So you can head on over to Facebook and check us out there. And uh, we have a couple pages over there. We have a couple groups. Uh, you heard me talk about the podcast. Check those out. The recording schedule I talked about earlier, if you didn't catch that, you can find it on the homepage of Let'sTruck.com. Go to Let'sTruck.com. You'll see the recording schedule and the phone number right there. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you back here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Do the hard work and master the journey. Good night, everyone. I'm Kevin Rothenberg. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at Let's Truck.com and find us on Facebook.com slash Let's Truck.